Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a jam-packed episode of Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rexo and Adam Sparks here in the Tennessean Studios. We've got football, we've got basketball, and actually, Adam, big week for football at Missouri. They're in the chase here for a bowl game. They're four and five, but I actually do want to start with with a little hoops because, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot left in this football season, but if you watched Bryce Drew's Vanderbilt's men's basketball team against Winthrop, which you did live, I did on my phone while coming back from Dallas, I don't see how you could possibly not be intrigued slash excited about what this team is going to be this year. Boy, the difference between four-star freshmen and five-star freshmen is just immense. Now, maybe on down the road that could level out a little bit. But, you know, I, I went in, I went into the game thinking uh, with the mindset of this is gonna, maybe going to take a little while. Maybe they're going to be a little more passive. Maybe it's not going to show up in the first game. It wasn't immediate in that the first few minutes. Now, Simi, Simi Chateau, you know, had a dunk a minute into the game, and he took off. But once you got to about the 10-minute mark, Darius Garland looked like an NBA one-and-done prospect. I mean, he looked at looked like it quickly. And I think what was important for Darius is that in the preseason, in their secret scrimmages, we do the quote marks for that one, in the secret scrimmages against Baylor and Illinois, the, the take that I got was Darius Garland is not being aggressive enough. He's trying to be distribute the ball and trying to help out other players. I saw some of that in this opener, but not a lot of it. You could see it clicked in his mind pretty quickly that – I'm the most dynamic player on the floor, and I'm going to be that immediately. And so uh, he he scored it in so many ways. I think that jumped out to me probably more than anything about his game is that he just he, he doesn't he doesn't just shoot the ball. It's not a mid range jumper. It's not just a three pointer. It's not just drive the lane and runners. And he can score in a thousand different ways, which again is why he's a possible one and done guy. But that, that's going to work out for them down the line. And him and Saban Lee worked really well together. They had a great chemistry right off the bat. And Simi Chateau, you know, I don't know which one looked more NBA-ready to me, but I could make the case that maybe it was Simi because there was a few times where he, got a, he pulled down a defensive rebound and out on the wing, Saban Lee was on one side, Darius Garland was on the other, and he didn't pass it to either one of them. It wasn't... Um, I'm a big man going to take a couple dribbles and an outlet pass. It was, I'm going to bring the ball up the floor every chance I get. And to be a guy with that much confidence and that skill level, I mean, that's that's really going to help him. I, I was I was pretty impressed for, for the first uh, performance of this bunch. Well, that's the thing. You said most dynamic player on the floor, and I'm not sure it was Garland a bit, but it's, it's, it's close. I mean, Garland, I've kind of been on the Garland's really talented, but I'm not – totally convinced he's a one-year player yeah. train and i may be deboarding this pl- this train soon you know it's just see him in the game 
his change of speed uh, is special. And, of course, if he's going to hit shots at that level, and it's one game, but if he is, then, yeah, the the interest will increase. I mean, I still think he could use another offseason of strength, and he's, he's not a completely finished product, but, boy, he's awfully good. But Shitu, to me – like you said, I mean, I mean, you're, this is your starting five, and this was, frankly, Adam, I didn't expect this exact lineup, but this is your starting five, and he's going coast to coast. I mean, the little, like, hanging runner that he had after going all the way from one end to the other, that's like, okay, that's an NBA player right now. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I will say on the NBA side of it, I, this is a big hunch, a big hunch, but... I think they both leave or they both stay. Now, maybe I change that later mm. in the year. Well, I, then they're both leaving. I, I, I mean, I, I then they're both leaving. I, I, but, I, I mean, you know, I mean. And we, we're already we, talking about them leaving after right, one game. Right, I mean. But, but that's college lottery, basketball. Are they a lottery pick? Are they are they a first-rounder, which is guaranteed money? Where Where's the range of what, you, what you'll leave for? But um, that's a very early hunch. I think they both leave or they both stay. You know, that being said, I mean, it was – uh, let me say this: What jumped out to me in the post game press conference is that the difference of last year sitting in the post game, where it was Riley Lachance, a really good player, but you know very kind of docile and quiet, and Jeff Roberson super quiet, and Matthew Fisher Davis was kind of his own animal. Those guys with Bryce Drew was always very quiet and cordial and a little awkward. This bunch was Bryce Drew almost seemed like he was you know, Darius and Simi's big brother, and he's slapping them on the back. And I mean... <laughs> yeah, that, he should have felt good after that. I mean, it was just this very, like, these are my guys, and this is awesome, and did you guys just see the game we had? That was fun. And it was very, very, very different. Just a polar opposite kind of feel to that team. Last year, and I, <laughs> I think it was... Did they play at middle? Is that right? No. No, it was at Belmont. At Belmont, they lost. Yeah. And I still remember after that game, and that's not a game you want to lose if you're Vanderbilt. I mean, you don't, you know, Belmont's a very good program, but you know, Vanderbilt. I mean, you you don't want to lose to Belmont. You don't want to lose anybody else in the city. But I remember after that game, seeing Bryce Drew in the hallway, and he's like, he had still an ear to ear smile on his face. Like, what do you think about Darius Garland? Because that was the day that he committed. That's right. That's and right. now you can kind of see why. Because man, and, and it's not just those two, by the way. I mean, Matt Ryan is a weapon, as people yeah. can see. Now, you know, maybe at times the heat checks could be reined in a bit but he's a weapon and Saban Lee is going to be overlooked all year but I mean that alley-oop to Saban Lee you know that the, the possibilities of Garland and Lee if they make that work and they those two and the coaching staff pretty enticing I mean it's you know it's one game but this team's going to be it's going to be hard to not watch this team I mean I, you got to get out and see this team I mean Adam I'm covering the Titans Patriots on Sunday I'm more looking forward to Vandy at USC. By the way, does anyone know how, how you can get the Pac-12 network? I have no idea. I, I thought I could. I searched out this morning. You don't could, have it. Yeah, you thought you had it. There's uh, no way you have it. No, I, I looked and looked and had. Well, when would I ever need that before? Well, and like it's like you know, of course they've had all these problems with the distribution of that network. It's been a total disaster. So if anyone out there knows how to possibly watch this game, like if there's some 
sports bar in Nashville that has, I mean, I'm sure some do. I mean, I would assume that you can pay for the super duper sports package and get it. I don't know. Well, and that'll be, that'll be a reasonable test because it's a road game. USC yeah. won a couple of NIT games last year, solid. They've got some players. Program. And, and you know, that's, it's, it's a road trip, which is a kind of a different animal too. But I think the adjustments now are going to be number one, they got to defend better, which you knew that would come along. Uh, Simi is far more physical on the offensive end, not as polished on the defensive end. Didn't block any shots in the first game. A um, little slow on rotation. Darius Garland's got to pick up some defensively. They're just going to be better defensively everywhere. I still think they're going to have some trouble guarding the post, which they did last year. Yanni Wetzel, it's going to take him a while. And to get barely him, played, which surprised me. Yeah, and Educa Obina is redshirting now. Their yeah. big man is a sophomore. Cleveland Brown, I thought, looked, you know, he gave some some good minutes. And his minutes will go up once they get into more physical SEC teams because they got to have a bigger body in there. But defensively, they got to be better. I'll be curious to see how Bryce Drew adjusts to how hard he coaches these guys uh, and how loose he lets them play. Because, you know, there, there was a joke in the, after the game last night that Darius Garland said, Bryce Drew says if it's a 50-50 alley-oop, you don't throw it. And he said, but that wasn't even close to a 50-50. They threw to Saban Lee. And, you know, Bryce kind of grinned, and he said, just tell him it was an 80-20. And, <laughs> and we'll, we'll call it even, you know. So you, you can already see he's this, you know, we asked him about Matt Ryan taking up taking 30-foot three-pointers and he said well you know i'll let a few of those go it seemed very like bryce drew is gonna let them play now how long do you let that go on though well yeah well i mean i think these guys are creative and talented and i think that it makes sense to let them play to a certain point but yeah the defensive end that's where i think you really have to coach them up you can see winthrop is a good program and has some good players they they've traditionally you know been you know efficient and all that stuff and you can see I mean, some of the driving lanes, people were just not in the gaps at all. Just some of the basic help defense stuff that, that a team needs to have was not there. Now, then they got on the run, and I do think with all the things she too does well, you can see he's going to be a heck of a defensive rebounder. He's just a re- – that ball just magnetizes to his hands, and that's – but I agree with you on post-defense. I mean, I think some teams will exploit him. Like right now, I'll tell you, Vanderbilt is a more talented team than Tennessee. But right now, I think Tennessee would trash Vanderbilt because Ooh. I do. Because well, I mean, again, I mean, any time you know one team gets hot from the outside, the other doesn't. It's a more but Tennessee's team. execution and the way they play together right now. Now, by the time they meet, I think we could have a couple fantastic games and hopefully a third and you know in, uh, in Bridgestone for the SEC tournament. But yeah, like right now, that's the difference. Is the older, experienced team that plays together right now with talent. I think would give Vanderbilt's defense a lot of trouble, but they, you know, they have time. And after USC, they have a lot of games where you can work on things and still win. You know, I mean, that's speaking of a team that needs to improve on defense. Did did you did you watch the women's game while I you were was on your not, fly? I was not able to. Ugh. No, yeah. So that's a that's a that's a crushing. I mean, it's it's again one game on both sides, but this is a team starting out in Division One. This is. Yeah. This is North Alabama. North Alabama, that was their first ever game as a D1 program. Now, I, I will say that people take that a little out of context. They have two or three players that were D1 prospects that were from that area that stayed and played at UNA uh, rather than going D1. So that, they had a pretty talented, talented lineup. But And it was a bad matchup for Vanderbilt anyway. Vandy had a couple of bigs on the floor and – uh, UNA had all you know all girls that were about five eight and super fast and 
But, the, you know, they beat Vandy to loose balls. They drove the lane. Uh, they just, you know, their Vandy's feet were in cement uh, for a lot of that game. By the way, a little a little tip for you. If you're ever tweeting a women's game in the first half of the uh, first part of the doubleheader, make sure you put the final tweet as Vandy women lose their opener, not just Vandy lose. Yeah, I noticed lose, that. Because I got about 6,000 retweets, mostly from UT fans that said things like, you know, I guess Darius Garland stinks, five huh? star, yeah. Simi's terrible, lost to UNA. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the women have a long ways to go. Autumn Newby had 30 points and looked good on the offensive end, not so good on the defensive end. Faz, uh, Mariella Fasula, the Boston College transfer, was in foul trouble. They'll get better, but the thing is, with this fan base and how this program has been the last couple of years under Stephanie uh, Stephanie White, that this can't be a team that gradually comes along because people are not going to have that much patience. They, they have not improved the past couple of years, and to lose to a team like that in your opener – I don't know how much more people are going to even pay attention. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 a tough. Obviously, they're short on bodies, and they've had some really tough losses. I still think they have some good players. I like Chelsea Hall a lot. You know, she's four of thirteen. I mean, Sierra Walker goes one for seven, misses all her threes. I mean, you're, you're going to have a tough time if that's happening. Like you said, Autumn Newby has a big night. Fasula is a different dimension, eight and nine. Realistically, Adam, what is this team's ceiling? You know, what can this team realistically aspire to do in Stephanie White's third if season? If this is a 500 team, it's an enormous accomplishment. It is. Now, I mean, they could they could win some non-conference games coming up, but they could also start so poorly that never recover. I think the psyche of this team is what I would worry about more than the record. Because if they they have a few new players, they have players that Stephanie's brought in. They lost. They they had uh, four girls leave the team last year. They had two other that that transferred out or left the team. They had two others uh, that graduated, thousand point scores. So now Stephanie has her team, or at least close to her team. And if you can't get results out of out of her players, then you know, you may be up a creek a little ways. I mean, Brene Alexander, you know. She, she looked good. I thought she looked good. She's a talented player. Yeah, she'll but be fine. Lily Carter, you know, again, doesn't do much in this game. I think has the athletic ability to be the kind of player Stephanie White wants. I don't know that she's going to turn it around. She had some concussion issues uh, last year. She's had some other problems. I think the chemistry has been really poor between her and the coaching staff. And I don't know if anybody is at fault or either side is at fault there, but she just does not look comfortable at all. And she hasn't looked comfortable for a long time. I, I don't know that I see. I, ho- I hope Lily turns it around and becomes a really dynamic player, but the clock's ticking, and I just don't know that, I, that, that we're going to see it. All right, let's switch to football. So Vanderbilt, you almost, Adam, I guess wish when you – play like you did offensively at Arkansas that you could then you know continue playing not that anyone's going to pass up an off week not a bye week an off week at this time of year to heal up and, and get healthy but and maybe the extra prep will matter I mean this is I've always looked at this game at Missouri as one of the least likely wins here in the second half of the schedule. And then when you watch what Missouri did at Florida last week, I mean, this has been a snake-bitten team, should have beaten Kentucky, 
Easily could have beaten South Carolina on the road. Has had a lot of tough losses, but they're very good. They're solid defensively. I, I do think Vanderbilt can get some things done if they play at their at their you know peak level. Uh, but you know Drew Locke, a good running game. I mean, this is going to be a test. And Vanderbilt, Adam, may be sitting here without both of its top two safeties in this game. Yeah, and that those were two things that came out of the out of the press conference earlier this week. First off, uh, you know Zaire Jones, who was suspended earlier in the year uh, for. Uh, uh, what was an assault ended up being a lesser charge after that, but he was suspended. He has now been suspended a second time, and uh, and Derek Mason addressed that at the press conference this week. Uh, you know, like Zaire, Zaire will not be with us the remainder of the season. Um, obviously, um, you know, man, that's that's unfortunate. You know, for us, I mean, we'll see Zaire in January, but I mean, he's been indefinitely suspended uh, for violation of school uh, or, or student conduct policy. So, with that being said. You know, I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, that's that's where we are. Uh, man, we got a good football team. We got good players, and we're going to continue to move forward. So we know Zaire Jones is not there, and then Ladarius Wiley. Yeah, and Ladarius Wiley for a different reason. Uh, Ladarius Wiley lost his father. His father died last Friday uh, at the end of the bye week, and he's been – He's been back in L.A. He's from Los Angeles. He's been out there. He's got he's one of six boys, I think. He's got five brothers. And so he's kind of been addressing things with his family. And, you know, Derek Mason said he thinks he'll be back soon. But you're already down one safety. And then Ladarius Wiley, your best safety, is, isn't is back. And, you know, D- Derek Mason said he'll take him whenever he can get back. Ladarius Wiley's played more football than any player here. I mean, if that dude came back on Saturday, I'd be good. You know, like for me, it's about taking care of first things first. And he's got six siblings. He, uh, man, he's got six brothers. He's one of or, I mean, he's one of six. Um, and so with that being said, like I said, our thoughts and prayers are with his family. Uh, man, man, as soon as we heard, man, we put him on a plane back home. And, uh, man, he's been with his family since. Man, we've talked every day. Um, and I love that dude, and his team loves him. So with that being said, you know, we'll take care of first things first. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, it's real-life stuff, much more important than any of this stuff. And so you just don't know what that will mean for Ladarius Wiley moving forward. I mean, it's... But, I mean, it, I mean, there's not a, there's never a good time to lose two safeties, but you're facing Drew Locke. That's about the worst time you can you can lose two safeties. Now, I think Wiley will play, but Wiley, as Derek said, may play on, you know, like one or two practices. So you're not going to have him super prepared for the game. But, yeah, I, I don't like the matchup in this one. And, by the way, the odds makers didn't either because this opened as about a 15-point spread for two teams that only have one SEC win each. Right. Uh, it's a bad matchup for Vanderbilt. Coming off the bye week, in Derek Mason's tenure, he's been 4-1 and one going into the bye week. He's won four or five games right before the bye week. Uh, he's 0-4 after the bye week. Now, they've actually played reasonably yeah, well. I'd like the, to see the opponents, though, right? I mean, that's really... Twice to South Carolina, once to Missouri, once to uh, a ranked Auburn team. Three of those four teams were pretty good that year. The Auburn so, team, that was the uh, Zach Cunningham yes. leap over the line field goal block, And they right? kept all those to 10 points or less. Three of them were, were single-digit margins. So they actually came out and played well after the bye week right. against Just, reasonably good teams. But, you know, this is another one where if they play well, this will be a close game. If they play poorly, they'll get run off the field. I mean, can they win? Because, again, I mean, it's, you know, this Vanderbilt defense, again, they, they stood up and played really well at Kentucky. So you can't say that, you know, it's, you have to win a shootout. But I guess I would just envision, Adam, that this would 
it would have to be 30 points or more from this Vanderbilt offense to have a chance in this game. I mean, you would think so. The fact that they give up 31 to Arkansas, again, those points came in different ways. But I, I think even more so than points, offensively, I think Vandy's got to get turnovers and turn them into points. Uh, if Vandy can, for, for a couple reasons, one, that's that's easy points for your offense, good field position. Number two, it at least takes that Missouri offense out of rhythm a little bit, you know, this was Drew Locke's fourth game against – well, you know, Shermer and Drew Locke have been the quarterbacks the three and now the four years in a row against each other. But Drew Locke has faced Vandy three times in his career and has never thrown a pick against Vandy. And if that happens again, this is a double-digit loss for Vandy. Yeah, so, I mean, he's looked like – and a lot of people think he is, but whenever I've seen him play against Vanderbilt, I'm like, oh, there's a uh, high pick in yeah. the draft. Yeah, and, and you know his uh, his tight end is questionable, maybe doubtful for this one. The backup tight end is also questionable, so he won't have all his weapons there. You know, Vandy's got to hope that they come out in eleven a.m. games. They have played really well early on. Florida game, they got up big. It was an eleven a.m. game. Nevada, they got up big. Eleven a.m. game. Arkansas was an eleven a.m. game. So they have come out. You know eating their Wheaties, had their coffee, and played well in the first half in these games. They've got to go there, play really well early on, put a couple of touchdowns on the board, and let Missouri know that this is going to be a nip-and-tuck game and not let Missouri get a rhythm and get some momentum early. Because I, I I like Vandy's chances in a back-and-forth game. I don't like Vandy's chances in a, in a comeback-type game. Yeah, so – it's going to be either a really, really big and impressive win. Again, if you know Missouri, and again, look at what Missouri did to Florida last week, a really, really big, impressive win to get to 5-5 five and five and know that you only need one of two at home against Ole Miss or Tennessee to get to the ball, or it's going to be basically the exact same scenario as two years ago, 4-6 and six, coming home. At that point, Adam, two years ago, I don't think anyone thought they were going to be Ole Miss or Tennessee. Remember, Tennessee was like headed toward the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, they come home. That's probably the most important stretch of Derek Mason's career. They beat both of them with just tremendous Kyle Shermer performances. Now, if it is the same situation, four and six, I think there'd be a lot more optimism. Although Ole Miss is very explosive, and you know Tennessee has played better. Tennessee, Tennessee to me looks like as much better chance in this game than I thought in September. Well, I think we, we've said this before. I think we'd still agree. Vandy's best chances to get two wins are the two home games, no Ole doubt. Miss and Tennessee. Uh, so if they can get one in Missouri, it's kind of stealing one, so to speak. I, I will throw this out there that the five and seven get to a bowl is still a possibility. I haven't done the math of how many scenarios that could happen, but Vandy and Air Force are tied for the top spot of the APRs that get in at five and seven actually northwestern is number one but they get in anyway by the record so air force vandy so if one bowl slot is open vandy could slide in at five and seven so it makes that would it be e- unrecognized by this podcast but still it would count <laughs> it's a bowl game <laughs> uh so but yeah i mean so if you can steal one in missouri i think they're they're probably going to get into a bowl if you lose at missouri it, it's going to be really tough but you know i think our wish would be that you go into the tennessee game Two teams are five and six. Oh, and, imagine the fun. Yeah. I mean, we've said that all year, and I think it was reasonable to think that all year. And uh, both teams could get there. Both teams could fail to get there. But Vandy's got to get into the second half in this one so that they can utilize Keyshawn Vaughn. I can already, already hear it now from Vandy fans. If they run Vaughn early on, get down double digits, and you don't see much in the second half because they're throwing the ball. They've got to do what they did at Arkansas, which was run him early 
If you want to sit him for a while in the second quarter, that's fine, but you either got to have the lead or have it close. You can't get to the end of the game and Vaughn have 10 carries and say, well, we were going to run him more in the second half, but we just never could get there. That can happen. You've got to use him and use him and use him. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But, you know, I don't think they can ration him, and I still feel like they want to ration him to some extent. All right. It'll be interesting. It'll be Vanderbilt at Missouri, 11 a.m. Central Saturday. And, of course, uh, the, the Darius Garland show is out in L.A. So if anyone knows how to watch it, let us know. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week on Breaking Down the Doors.